Attention, Pokemon players. You are listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. Welcome, everyone, to an exciting bonus episode of the Triple P podcast. Uh, I am your host, Nick the Duke of Hobbies, just by himself here today. Well, kind of by myself. Uh, uh, unfortunately, Jake is not feeling well and will not be joining us with this amazing guest that we actually have on today. Uh, and that is Players Cup 3 champion Azul Garcia Gregio, a.k.a. Azul GG. Welcome, Azul. We're so happy to have you on this special bonus episode. And first of all, congrats. So thank you again for joining us. Thanks, Nick. Thanks. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, you know, we'll we're gonna just kind of really dive right into this because uh, this is this Players Cup 3 was an interesting one. It came a little sudden uh, and we kind of want to talk uh, even at the end a little bit, uh, kind of what your thoughts on Players Cup 4, because it's going on right now. Uh, it came even faster than Players Cup 3 in my mind. But uh, let's let's dive right into this here. So, uh, you know, Players Cup always starts off with this 50 key qualifier now Well, since Players Cup 2, uh, you know, again, what kind of what were you playing during this time? Did you switch a lot of decks? Did you just primarily play one deck? Uh, I know this was a little while ago, but you know, uh, you know, like, was there, was there a main strategy you had during this period? Um, I played a couple different decks. I didn't have like a, a whole ton of strategy behind it um, because I, I feel like 50 keys for the point goal you need to hit is like quite a reasonable uh, or like generous amount of keys, especially for someone who's like, he's been playing as long as I am, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, just for my for, for the level of player I am, like it's mm-hmm. it's pretty reasonable that I would qualify, like pretty reasonable uh, qualifications. Um, so yeah, I qualified pretty reasonably. Um, I started off a little bit rough with keys. Um, I was switching around between quite a few decks, and then I kind of settled on Tempo Zard for the majority of my keys. Um, but um, yeah, I mean it, it's a uh, it's a reasonable qualification process. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just I was switching around. I did some Picaram early on, and I think that was just doing really badly for me. Um, what I were you facing to, while you're using Picaram? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I don't even remember. It just I remember <laughs> us hitting like it, I don't even remember what the meta was like at that point. Um, and I was just like not a huge fan of the meta in general. So I was like almost to the point towards the end of my keys where I was like, I don't even know if I want to finish these and even trying. Like I don't know how much I even cared about trying to qualify because I just really didn't like the meta at all at that point because. Once you qualify through the keys, then you have to play in the regional qualifier, which is the same meta. Um, but right. then I start, towards the end of it, I started playing Tempo Zard and I started having fun with that. So I was like, okay, I enjoy Tempo Zard, enjoy the games uh, with Tempo Zard. So I'll just play Tempo Zard for the rest of my keys or most of them. I actually don't even know if I finished all my keys. I don't think I did, but I got up to that 90, high 90s area, maybe just yeah. inside 100. And that's like basically safe for, uh, for points. So I was like, okay, that's good enough. Uh, <laughs> I got enough points. That's it. I'm qualified. Nice. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that it's interesting because I, I agree with you that I think that was one of the roughest metas that we were in because this is prior to Battle Styles. Um, you know, we had even, um, was Shiny Fates even active? I don't even think Shiny Fates was active at this time. So it was even worse off than that. Uh, you know, definitely a lot of ADPs and kind of a Turnus dominating everything at that time, just as a reminder to our listeners, uh, especially it's which is drastically different to where we are now. Um, yeah, so did you know, were when you were picking up Tempo Zard? Because I know you had a couple videos out at the time you were playing Tempo Zard. Uh, was it kind of when you were playing 
creating your content itself that made you lead towards this episode or were you also indulging in other tournaments at the same time because i know a lot of players like mix in with like a big tournament practice and then dive into keys with a deck were you one of those players or you just kind of were feeling it as you were playing um i mean i just play a lot of pokemon in general so i'm always playing <laughs> with all the decks and like i never like i never think about it in that way um i kind of always play what i want to play whether it's for a tournament or for the keys or whatever whatever i feel like i want to play then that's kind of what i just play um and if i take it a little bit more seriously i'll play whatever i think is just kind of the best deck overall i think that there could be for that tournament like sometimes when i make it into like some of the tournament series invitationals or something i will like think about my deck choice a little bit harder mm-hmm. um but you know the, the the weeklies i might just show up with maractus or something like that um <laughs> or even for like my players keys i played a couple goofy decks um at the end of them i think as well or at least for pc2 um playing some less serious decks and yeah for the for the players cup qualifiers and then the, the online weekly tournaments i don't take them super seriously um invitationals a little bit more seriously or if i'm trying to qualify for one of the invitationals then i'll maybe take that tournament a little bit more seriously and like pick whatever i think is the best deck or maybe you know like you know luke Bennell has been really popular lately so maybe i'll try and lean towards like whatever i think is the best welder deck or something like that oh nice okay that makes a lot of sense all right well then let's go into that uh, regional qualifier so this is like basically day two it's kind of split up into weird two weird parts here uh we start off with around 256 players and then go down to top 16 uh what did you go into with that 256 range there what were you playing in that portion of it uh so i just brought tempos art again it was kind of like the same reason i I almost didn't play in it um but i was like um i probably should play in it because like i qualified and it's like um and i wish i could enjoy streaming those higher level tournaments as well that's always mm-hmm. like a fun experience so i was like that's what kind of motivated me, motivated me to want to even play in the regional qualifier because I, I just was not i did not enjoy that meta at all it was just like and it wasn't terrible it was just kind of burnt out it was like right uh and i was like towards the end of the towards the end of the meta before battle styles was coming out as well so um but i was like okay yeah i'll, I'll play in it so i got up i played in it um and i decided i might as well just play temples art again because it's what i played the most for the qualifiers um, I just think it's a really good deck overall right now. So why not just play Temple Zard? There's a, there's a quite a few decks at the time where like, you know, solid decks that could kind of beat most things. Temple Zard was one of them. So I'll just play Temple Zard and uh, see how it goes. Nice. Uh, so what did you end up seeing though during that run with Temple Zard? Did you end up seeing a lot of metal? Because I know again with ADP and Zashian, uh, I think, uh, well, Rusty Zashian wasn't around at this point, I believe. So, uh, was it primarily you could you felt like Tempazar could donk a couple of things early if need be, or just uh, you know, again, you uh, you you were just liking it too? But what did you end up playing against? Um, I think the the, the deck I played against the most was Senescorch. I think I played against like three wow. Senescorch, uh, and that's a pretty good matchup for Tempazar because like <laughs> you just you attack first and then. They're just a little bit more less inconsistent of a deck. If you're both hitting welders, you're just always going to win. So mm-hmm. you're both welder decks. If you're hitting welder, though, you always win the prize exchange pretty much. It's pretty much impossible to lose it if you if you just hit your stuff. So mm-hmm. um, similar to the Eternatus matchup, I think I hit like two Eternatus. Um, I hit a lot of VMAX. I hit an Inteleon as well. I did hit one Luke Metal on the way through. But like, yeah, uh, a decent amount of Senescorcher. That was like the main, is it the most, definitely the, the highest, uh, the, the deck I hit the most wasn't uh, the Senescorch. I didn't hit any Picaram, but Picaram wasn't super popular at that point. Right. Uh, even though one did qualify through um, that stage. Um, I didn't hit any ADP either, I don't think. Yeah, I didn't hit any ADP uh, A lot of A lot of just VMAXs. 
Interesting. So uh, I guess uh, when when it, during this run, did you have was it straight wins for you the whole way, or did you might have a, did you have a loss in that at all? Did you end up going into that loser bracket portion of it, or did you get to st- coast through? No, yeah, I went. I stayed in the uh, winners bracket the whole time. Seven zero. Wow, um, nice. Congrats. Still very impressive there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so wow. All right. So now that kind of goes into this second day to part two with this top 16 this is primarily this regional is uh north america uh and there's a lot of good players in this top 16 here um you know what was your strategy for this portion because uh you know now now things in my mind personally i'm not i feel like this might be more of a like okay this is a little more serious because it's like now things are a little more hush hush and behind closed doors from the rest of the community at this point what is your, what were your thoughts going into this and what were you thinking about bringing and what did you end up playing well actually for this we still have to play the exact same deck actually we have oh, to bring okay. okay yeah yeah so like the whole regional qualifier you have to bring the the, the same uh, 60 cards you played for the the 256 portion. Um, oh, okay, okay. So yeah, yeah, so you had so you play so you're going in with Tempestart then. So, um, you know, again, you, you've talked about it before already. So, uh, what did you end up facing with it? So yeah, the the so the last two rounds there, I think I hit a Senna Scorch, um, which is once again one of the good matchups. So that was uh, I had, I think I I two would them pretty fast, and I ended up hitting a Eternatus the round after, which is not as good of a match, but what's once again one of those matchups, it's the same matchup, it's the same situation, like against any VMAX deck, basically. If Temple Zard draws the cards, they always win. Like it's impossible for them, the 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 VMAX decks to get back into the prize race. And usually they don't play stamps or like Senna Scorch, it's like really easy to get really far ahead. Right. Um, and they do play reset stamps, but you sometimes have like an extra turn to play the game, basically. Right. Um <clears throat> so yeah, I those are both it was pretty. I definitely didn't play perfect in either of those games. I maybe I I played better against the um I remember misplaying a couple times against the Senna Scorch for sure. Like I benched my Oracorio. Like I forgot that they played Cramorant and they could just like Cramorant my Oracorio. Um I benched it for no reason. Basically, like my opponent chose to go second. They couldn't KO my current active. I was like, okay, but I'm just gonna go ahead and bench his Oracorio, which I just shouldn't have done. So I like I messed up against them a little bit. It didn't I did, they didn't end up getting a turn one Cramorant play, but still not correct. And then against the Eternatus player, um I actually I rewatched that series when they aired it on the Pokemon channel because mm-hmm. um, they did like the casting over the regional finals. And my opponent had game in game two after I won game one. And then they they didn't see that they had game. All they had to do was hold their hand and pass right? because um, they had boss in their hand. Uh, instead, they played Marnie thinking I had some kind of combination of cards that was impossible for me to have. Oh. Um, so we should I should have gone to a game three at least against them. Um, I would have still been feeling pretty confident about it overall, but yeah, that uh, should have gone into a game three against them, but they didn't see the play. Um, so that was fortunate for me, I guess. Yeah, I 2-0'd Senna Scorch, I believe, and then I 2-0'd the, the Eternatus. So um, I went into it feeling pretty good because I knew I was playing Senna Scorch round one. I didn't know I was going to play against round two, and I think mm-hmm. I knew it was Pikaram against Eternatus. So I was like, I hope Eternatus wins, which it is favored, but you know, Pikaram can, has a good shot against most things. So I was like, well, I just hope the, hope the Eternatus wins. They did, and then took them out, and then I uh, qualified through. Nice. Okay, so before we go on to the the, the final portion of this, I kind of want to talk about your thoughts. You, you brought this up a few times with regarding the meta. Uh, you, you're finding it a little stale at this point in time, uh, which I think the sentiment was the same for a lot of people at this point. Uh, do you, as a player that's been playing as long as you have, what were the key things that kind of made this feel stale to you? Um. 
it basically because of like the last sets what was the set we got before battle styles um uh, vivid voltage vivid voltage just didn't change a whole ton right was kind of i think probably the biggest thing because so it was basically it was like two metas in a row was yeah. like the same decks <laughs> like not a whole ton i'm not even think what do we even get out of vivid voltage uh, uh I, I i think they were trying to make pikachu a thing and yeah, also electro, but yeah <laughs> um and uh the other v max is um i don't even remember everything because it was it was such a lackluster uh players pack in my mind it was almost like a weird in between a, a collector's and a player's pack with a less favorable thing for the players um yeah i feel like we just didn't get oh we got did we get colossal was that one of the colossal cards colossal was and that was the big talk from coming from japan but their meta is a little different here yeah and colossal just like it was bad against luke metal is bad against adp so like when those are like two of the top decks you can't really compete especially when, when you when you take a bad matchup to adp and then one of the other top decks right you're gonna be in trouble because adp is like consistently you know top two most played decks so uh, and colossal was cool for a little bit but yeah um yeah so we just didn't get a whole ton so it was basically like it was kind of like we were just playing the same meta to two sets in a row which of course just isn't i mean just not not a lot changes so it's like it gets it's like a continuation of staleness like like mm -hmm. we'll get the new we got the new cards and like you know of course played with colossal some of the amazing rares uh were like a little bit cool but then it like got it got like well these decks are just aren't good though right. so like and they didn't bring it didn't like shift the meta enough where like old decks became good which is what we're kind of seeing with the current battle style stuff with like all these mewtwo decks like the mewtwo real boom and like right. the straight mewtwo deck like these decks becoming good because of um like eternatus and pgrom kind of being pushed out a little bit so like that's cool because it's not just oh rapid strike's really good it's like oh rapid strike's really good so these decks aren't so then these decks are right so that's right. like but we had none of that when vivid voltage came out it was like vivid voltage is here all right, it's the same same top decks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I could find it interesting though, and this is side note for sure, is more along the lines of like battle styles. I think everyone was so weary of the new cards for a little while that everyone's like, yeah, Santa Scorch. I'm just yeah, I'm just gonna play Santa Scorch. Um, and and it, it just didn't adjust for a little bit there. But uh, like you said, like I, I'm glad how things have been adjusting and we're seeing older decks like the Muse kind of come back in the swings, especially since they're on their last leg of being in standard format. Um, all right. So uh, let's go into this final top 16 world. So this is it. And you talk about this deck. Uh, in your video, you did this whole video breakdown on your channel when you announced after the, it was announced that you had won. Uh, I highly encourage all of our listeners to go watch it. The link will be in the show notes down below. Uh, but it is, it was, it was really informative. I really like this. And you played this Urshifu straight Urshifu Rapid Strike deck uh, with a, a Jirachi Stellar Wish build. And one of the things I want to kind of talk about here with this one is you mentioned an interesting thing in that deck. Uh, while you're talking about that deck, is you were looking at Australia's meta with Picarop. Um, How did that end up playing out for you, and why was it Australia that you were, or the Oceania region that you were looking at? Um. So I mean, specifically, it was just because like. It was more so just like what, how much information can we actually get on other players? And I worked with um, uh, Mike Fouché, who also qualified to the uh, the global finals. Um, uh, and I and we were like, well, what, what 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 do we know? And it's like at the time I was like, Eternatus just feels like the best second format. I was like, this is it's so good. 
against so many of the, the current strong decks. Like it's really good against Picaram. It's really good against ADP. Um, and of course, Rapture has gotten so popular that it kind of doesn't make a turn just as good of a play as it was. But, um, but at the time, it was like, a turn is just really good. Now you have Phoebe, so you can beat Luke Metal, and you can even beat Decidueye if it comes up. So we're like, a turn is really good. And we're like, what other info do we have on like the players? And we're like, okay, we know like Tord is going to bring something that's not control, but who knows what it is. So we're not going to like read too much into Tord. Uh, whatever he brings, what he brings. Um, <laughs> and we're like, the Australians are just stubborn with Picaram. Um, and it, sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad. But we're like, they're probably just going to bring Picaram. It's not, I don't mean to like, you know, I say stubborn, but I don't like, you know, they, they've done very well, obviously, with Picaram in the right, players' right. cups so far. But like, if they're going to bring Picaram again, there's no reason to not try and take advantage of that. And we're just like, they're going to bring it. So let's just play a deck that can beat that. We think Eternatus is very strong. Okay, we can beat that. And we're like, Rapture can also beat the Welder deck. So like, um, we don't think people will bring Luke Metal because Eternatus can all of a sudden beat it and Welder decks are pretty hype right now. So there's no reason for anyone to bring Luke Metal. And for similar reason, because of Welder decks being hype and Eternatus can beat Decidueye, we're like, no one's going to bring Decidueye. So we don't have to tech for either of those matchups. No one's going to bring Decidueye. No one's going to bring Luke Metal. We expect Picaram. I was, I don't know how Mike fully felt about Eternus, but I was like, I think it's like the best deck overall in the format. So I want, if like, if people are just like, and it's never a bad thing to be like, uh, oh, I can't play the, it's never a bad thing to be like, oh, I'm just going to play the BDIF because it's the BDIF. Sometimes you want to be a little bit more scared of just playing the BDIF. But like, I was like, if they, if, if the, you know, people in the tournament are just like, yeah, I'm just going to play Eternus. I was like, well, that just wouldn't be ridiculous because it's a really good deck right now. Right, right. Um, so we're like, Rapid Strike just kind of makes sense because like we, the, the players that we did have info on, uh, was Picaram's coming. And I think your Eternatus might have been the most qualified deck through those top 16 players. I think Eternatus yes. was maybe the... So that was another thing we looked at. I was like, well, Eternatus... Like, some people are going to be like, oh, Eternatus is the best deck right now or really good. I want to play it. And other people are going to be like, oh, this is what I qualified with, what I know the best right now. I'm just going to stick with it. So Rapture Strike just seemed really good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, so what did you end up, how did this, how did this run go? Cause I, I know you mentioned you, you thought you had a couple misplays while you were playing it, but you know, you know, as you played, what did you end up playing the whole time through that? Um, yeah, I definitely made quite a few mistakes. Um, and I don't know if it was just cause like, I definitely didn't get as much sleep as I should have. I said, like, I think we had to be up at like, was game play started at like 8am right. and I was up to like 2am. So <laughs> I definitely woke up a little bit tired. First round I hit Victini and I messed up like two major mistakes. Like, I didn't evolve my Urshifu one time. Like I thought through everything and I was like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do next turn. This is what I expect them to do. And then I just forgot to evolve and I passed cause I didn't whiff the switch card. So I like had to pass on the turn anyways. Uh, so went, okay. They bossed up and killed my Urshifu. I was like, all right. And then another game, I think. I don't know what I meant. Another game I didn't scoop up at my Zigzagoon. And they were still favored to win, even if I did or didn't scoop it up. But they got to, it was easier for them to win on the next turn because I didn't. So I lost the the third game there uh, as well. I think if I had not misplayed, I think I probably made some more mistakes throughout the games as well. If I don't think, if I, I think if I had played better overall, I would have beaten them um, for sure. But uh, I make mistakes sometimes. So uh, I went down, lose your bracket uh, off the rip then. I lost round one in the winners. And uh, I played against Spirit Tomb round one, which on that one, I'm not sure. because I like watched it back when the, the broadcast happened um, mm-hmm. and it was from the Spirit Tomb player's side. So I couldn't quite see my own car. So I don't know. I remember making like thinking I made mistakes in that game. Um, it was really weird because I never got the opportunity. What I wanted to do in that matchup was use Mew and use Zigzagoon. But the way I drew cards, I was never able to utilize Mew or Zigzagoon. So it was oh. always very awkward because like the Spirit Tomb was built up the damage. And I was never able to make it awkward for them because I had those options. But I never drew the options to use those cards. Um, so that was unfortunate. I remember that throughout the whole series. I don't think I, I used Psypower or Zigzagoon. I, zig- I zigzagooned once, but it was to get like a strafe KO, I think, or set up the option of a strafe KO right. on a Spirit Tomb. Um, or that might have actually been... No, I think that was against them. Yeah. So 
that was unfortunate. I did uh, get a little bit lucky to pull that one out there. It came down to the end. I had, a, I had to like throw a bunch of Pokemon in play to like set up my last turn. And then I was like, all right, knockout. And if they ever have a boss, they win. They went draw or choreo and with the boss. So um, wow. got, a bit, got a little bit fortunate in that one. Hey, it happens though. It definitely does. And then, and then I hear that what I kind of remember, one of the things I remember or I heard from the grapevine is it was nine Picaram wins in a row. When did that come <laughs> up and how did that feel? <laughs> um, I mean, that was quite a bit. Yeah, that was, that was a little bit later down. That was like towards the end in the finals. But uh, to get there, I had to go through a couple ADPs, which I was super like, I wasn't like scared of the matchup, but I hate playing against. It's just not fun to play against ADP. It's not fun to play ADP. It's not fun to play against. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm playing against ADP. Um, here we go. Um, so yeah, after I beat the Spirit Tomb, I played against an ADP, uh, close set, uh, one in three games. And then I played against a Mewtwo Charizard deck, which I think was just overall just like, um, I don't know what their idea was to bring the Charizard deck, but I just, I think it was definitely like out of place overall as a deck. I don't think it quite can compete with what else was brought. Um, and especially in their testing, I have to feel like they definitely did not test against Mimikyu in right. the Rapid Strike because their only out to beat Rapid Strike is through the Mewtwo play. But if they ever have the Mimikyu plus Jirachi, you just can't beat Rapid Strike. Even just the Mimikyu, it's maybe unbeatable. So that's kind of what happened there. It's just like, th those are like, uh, it's fairly easy to beat that deck. Um, so yeah, their deck was not quite out, like teched out with the technology to be able to handle what, uh, what the Rapid Strikes brought. Um, so that was, that was a pretty clean after that. And then I hit another ADP. Once again, I was like, all right, here we go. Another ADP. <laughs> uh, I won game one. It was a close one. Game two, he got the perfect setup because he played his Amazenta. So he's able to get the board state of ADP station's Amazenta. Beats me. And then game three, he opens his Cragnal, which is like, I was hoping he opens a Cragnal or the Aranguru because a one prize Pokemon up against Rapid Strike in that matchup is terrible for them. Yeah. He doesn't play the Mew to protect his bench. So it's very easy for me to like cleanly put out just enough damage to take six prize cards. And that's basically what happened. Wow. Um, and it was not much hope for him. Uh, in that one, once you open the crag, and also, <laughs> <laughs> wow! I mean, I you know what? I'm surprised by the idea bringing ADP. I don't know why. I I know. I, I put the face. Yes, ADP is always qual is like again pretty much always second to qualify or second to get there. But it's second is not the winning deck most of the time. And I'm surprised that that at that point players were still bringing it because I feel like you have a good chance of getting top four maybe, but you're like i don't know i just it's an interesting decision to make on that one per, from a personal note um like what are your thoughts on adp at that kind of elite stage in a game especially since you we've seen it uh not be taking home the prize as often as i think adp players would like it to be yeah it's it's interesting one of the things i always bring up about adp especially on like a day-to-day -day level and like the weekly tournaments and stuff is like the above average players just kind of don't play it mm -hmm. um but when they do they're usually they, you see it take dubs. Like I lost uh, in a top four of a weekly tournament the other day. I played against a very good online, uh, one of the very good players who is like constantly placing in these online tournaments. Um, and I don't know them, you know, you know their IRL compass or anything, but they're they're killing it online since these online turns have come around. So uh, they played ADP. They beat me in top four, and I I believe I think actually they maybe lost in the finals. Actually, they beat me in top four at the very least. Um, they maybe lost. They hit the peak around in the finals, which is generally favored against ADP. But like, um, so that's one of the things that definitely affects its placings in the weekly tournaments is just like the above average players just kind of don't bring it because 
Um, I mean, they play that. I mean, one of the things is just like they play that much Pokemon, and on average, I just don't find ADP fun, and I I feel like most people don't either. No, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I, I'm I'm in the um, same boat as you. I think it's so straightforward at what it needs to do. It's so unappealing for me, at least. Yeah. So when you have these players who like play that much more Pokemon than everyone else, like I say these above average players, these players who consistently do well in these online tournaments, they're playing that much more Pokemon. I feel like they probably feel a little bit the same that ADP is just not that fun to play. So they play it now. And then I brought ADP to a tournament here. A tournament or two here and there, but like on like I'm not bringing it to every single tournament. I I switch up my deck choice pretty, uh, pretty often in these tournaments. But um, yeah, I feel like that's one of the things that affects it. I mean, uh, and I guess speak towards like you know people bringing it to this uh, high caliber of an invitational type event, this the global finals. Um, I mean, it's always one of those decks where it, it is that powerful. Um, but no one's trying. No one's playing a deck that loses the ADP. So that's one of the things to always keep in mind. Everyone right. is taking a 50-50 or a favorable against ADP. Right. Um, and I feel like the, the more I've played the Rapid Strike against ADP, if they don't have Mew, I think you're favored. If they have Mew, it still feels kind of close, to be honest. So, yeah. um, but but it's never a bad thing to bring because it's just kind of one of those things where it's just like, if you can't come up with anything better or the other decks you were trying out just don't quite cut it, like just going and being like, all right, I'm just going to play ADP. It's like not, it's never like a terrible choice, but there definitely is that like, no one else in the tournament is taking an L to ADP. No one's like, I'm going to lose to ADP. But I'm going to beat everything else. No one, no one's doing that, right? Everyone's going right. to be like, I can at least 50-50 ADP. Um, if not, I'm favored against them or making sure I'm favored against them. And if you hit the, like, if you know for sure what's coming and you can get the right text in your ADP list, like the big charms or like an Aegislash or something, that's like a big advantage for ADP, I feel like. But it's hard mm -hmm. to like, for sure, call the meta uh, right. and like get the, get know what everyone else is bringing and getting those right tech cards. Cause I feel like those are super impactful in ADP to bring or not, like the age slash feed, the big charms, um, whether or not you, you do or do not play those can drastically change some matchups. But we don't know for sure what everyone's bringing. It's hard to pin those down exactly. Um, I don't know. It's always going to be a really strong deck, always popular. It'll probably always show up um, no matter what. But it, I mean, it does kind of have that, uh, those results with it, right? It just doesn't get the wins um, towards, it just doesn't get as many wins as it seems like it should because it is so popular yeah. of a deck. I mean, it's top eight rate, like a top eights or, you know, making top cut in like the weekly term stuff is like maybe higher than any other deck, but yep. can't quite close it out consistently for sure. Yeah, it, it's an interesting when we were we we do our own uh, monthly stats and stuff. And it's always like, oh, uh, you know, top cut or top uh, finals getting to finals table, you know, like you know 48 percent of the time and then like taking it home it's like 10 percent um which yeah. is a, a quite a drastic jump all right so enough about adp though i know that that was a i enjoy that because i think that's some really good input on understanding a deck like that personally uh but one of the things again let's go let's keep going on with this run so you got past a second adp in there uh what did you end up facing after that so after that um that's a mistake and i'm pretty sure that's it and then i hit toward Okay. In the the mirror match, um, and I didn't like I, at that point. I was like, okay, this is gonna be the hardest match, uh, besides the ADPs. I think like this would be the hardest match yet. Obviously, like the highest, the best player in the tournament. So that'll also add to that. But like you know, we uh, rapid strike mirror. It's about as close as it gets, especially when I was feeling like I was favored against the ADPs at least a little bit. Then I have Mew, and I was like, after that, there's. Definitely, it's guaranteed to be two Picaroms. Like, no yep. matter what, who wins between me and Tor is going to be favored to win the event. Uh, at that point, I wasn't sure how favored, and because I actually never played the matchup of Rapid Strike against uh, Picarom. Um, <laughs> I just knew it was favored just because of like, you just look at the decks and you're like, okay, this is favored. Um, and people had told me, you know, people I talked to was like, yeah, it's favored. You just, you kind of definitely favored. And especially having the Jirachi and the Mimikyu, which not everyone was running up to that point, mm -hmm. definitely gave you like a lot of room for. Uh, 
not error, but you know, just like if you're not trying super well, you got plenty of room to make a comeback to kind of shut them out of the game, no matter what, at some point. Right, um, right, right. Typically, some t- at that time, I believe it was even if you don't hit them with the zoom, uh, the ping. Um, I've seen people make the mistake again, probably not uh, as often in the top tier play, but just like even a strafe attack. And then they're like, oh, that's fine. My Mew has some damage on it. And then you drop the Mimikyu down and they're like, uh-oh. Uh, and, yeah. you know, they've built everything into the Mew instead of something else. Yeah, tons of ways to get, like, that damage on there. Strafe or even just going for, like, a rapid flow and hitting it um, mm-hmm. for the 120 uh, and then just completely locking it out. Yeah, and then if you prize Jirachi or Mimikyu, hopefully you don't prize both and you have the other one to fall back on. So you have, like, a ton of room to just kind of play around with in that matchup. Um, but, yeah, I hit Tord in the... Loser semis, I guess, and he was playing the Cincino Rapid Strike build, which is uh, less aggressive of a build, but it has like a better mid-game late game if you set up. Um, and my game plan going into it after like I fully looked at his list and like thought about it I was just like if I can just KO the Cincinos, that's what I want to do because that's mm-hmm. basically all of his draw power. He doesn't play research. He plays Marnie and Birdkeeper and those draw cards, but he only plays five total of those. Wow, got the Mewtwo to recover them. Um, but his main draw, he's trying to get the extra cards through the Cincinos. So game, mm-hmm. I, I was fortunate enough, turn one, game one and two, to KO a, a Mincino turn one. I turn one, boss, strafe, with Goonping on one of them, and then he did play a 60 HP Mincino. So that was just a strafe uh, on that one to KO that one. But I was like, okay, that's like, that's wants to be my plan. And then we'll just, wherever it goes from there, wherever it goes from there, I'm just going to be like, and like, after I kind of played through game one, uh, or like halfway through game one, I was like, I just have to hit him and be like, okay, if you have the Cheryl, you have the Cheryl. And if you don't, then I'm winning the game. Um, I'm I'm ahead, right? Because it was more like I think he he whiffed an attack. He whiffed an attack in maybe both the games. Um, wow! And he had to put down to Dene, but like his deck is just like less aggressive, right? And he only ever got one Cincino set up either game. Uh, he had to he was forced to put to Dene in at some point because you know by me targeting his Cincinos, he draws less cards. Drawing less cards means you still need to draw cards to make sure you can play the game, which means that Dene had to come out both games, and I took advantage of that. Um, and my prize was basically KO Mincino. And we just started hitting Urshifu's back and forth because I wasn't able to find a whole ton of bosses early on. So I was basically, all right, we're just going to be punching each other. Um, and then I got to the point where uh, he had to put the Dene in play both games. And I KO'd that and K- or KO'd a Rapid Strike and then KO'd a Dene or KO'd a Dene and then KO'd Rapid Strike um, in game one and game two. But yeah, I was basically just, you, I sat there and just kept hitting him. I was like, if I can ever find boss, like finish something off, that's great. But if not, we hit, force him to have Cheryl, play the stamp, play the Marnie to disrupt his hand if I think he has it um, or I think it's been built up or he's like built it up for a little, a couple turns and it's pretty big. Um, especially like whenever he played like draw supported to dig through the deck and then would like do his make do. Um, if he could have the Cheryl in that hand, all right, throw a stamp at him or play the Marnie. Hope he doesn't have the Cheryl on the next turn. Um, and that was just kind of that's the way they like the, the matchup just has to go. Is because like if he gets to use the Cheryl, he kind of just wins for the most part. But right. it was it was a little bit grindy in the early game and mid games because we'd both sit there and giratina each other's rapid strike energy. <laughs> um so to be honest, it, it it never got to the point where like I like really thought too much, like okay, he could if he, even if he Cheryl's here. I like never like checked his discard problem. I was like, okay, how many energy does he have left? Because how much more can he even attack? Like, can I just like Tina him one more time and then that's it? Even if he gets off the Cheryl, um, so it just got it always got to the point where like he whiffed the Cheryl and then I had the boss KO and then I go ahead and KO to Dene the next turn. So it never got to the point where he played Cheryl and then I was like, okay, can I just run him out of attacking energy? Because he only played the four rapid strike plus two basic fighting. So at some point, it's possible that he could just run out of energy to attack right. with. Right. Yeah, that, that is a risk that uh, those uh, Chintino players uh, may take, especially for that version. Um, personally, I, I want to kind of get your input on which what version did you kind of like more? I, I mean, obviously, yours came out on top in that one. Uh, but a lot of people swear by the Chintino version. What, like, what's your thoughts on that? 
Um, I mean, I think it's pretty close. They both have like uh, pretty obvious like strengths and weaknesses over the other one, like being able to sit there and like chain Cheryl with the Sinzino build or even like to even consider playing Phoebe for like Decidueye or Luke Metal. It's like way harder to consider even playing that in the other build mm -hmm. um, because, you know, if you're Phoebe in for a turn, you still have to make sure you're also like attacking. Whereas like if you're drawing, if you're just like going top deck Phoebe as opposed to top deck make do make do, that's plus four cards, right? To work right. alongside that Phoebe or the Cheryl for the turn. So obviously like those cards playing the tech supporters that you kind of loop with Mew, uh, with Mewtwo uh, way better uh, with the Sincino build, not as good with the uh, Jirachi build, but the Jirachi build is definitely more aggressive um, and be a little bit more aggressive at just kind of getting out there and starting to attack and stuff like that. Because one thing you just don't, early on, you don't draw a whole ton of cards with the, the Sincino build. You got your, Bird Keepers, you got your Marnies, no research, only one Dedenne that you don't even want to put in play. Like the Dedenne does not want to enter the battlefield because then they need to go KO Rapid Strike, KO Dedenne, KO One Pressure. So you just want to kind of set up without it. That's why there's like, there's there's the Snorlax in there and everything. So you're trying to set up without this without the Dedenne. Um, but that can lead to like, maybe you forced to put the Dedenne in play or it's just like, you're not doing damage early on. Sometimes you just whiff early right. Gale Thrusts or like a turn two, turn three, a G-Max Rapid Flow to kind of like, get yourself really far ahead against some decks like don't like against like a mad party or something if they with their mew or like a uh tempos are or something like a turn two g max rapid flow can be huge in those matchups but it's way more likely you whiff it as the Sincino deck than than the jirachi build so um it just depends on what you're trying to be if you're trying to beat stuff like luke metal or you're trying to heal a lot uh in like mirror it definitely i think maybe overall the Sincino deck the Sincino and the mirror match is probably pretty close to be honest because like being up so aggressively chaos Sincino is like a big deal but um, if you're trying to heal a lot and you're trying to like beat Luke Metal, then the um, what's it called build? The uh, Sincino build is definitely the way to go with. Yeah, that's that's a great breakdown of that. Uh, you know, again, I think it it sounds like personally from uh, you know when I watch from watch, I know you 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 say you do and you do play a lot of decks, but it seems like you're kind of also more of an aggro player. You're definitely a little more aggressive, um, and I feel like the the version that you you brought. Uh, kind of fits your main play style a little more uh, compared to the Cicino one. Uh, you know, and I guess I wonder, you know, for players there, it's always those interesting calls on that because there can be a, you know, kind of a breakdown that of, of, a variation of a deck, which I think personally Battle Styles has been nice to allow us to bring back. Um, and, you know, you can you can actually do that variation, but you, you know, Again, with with yours, it seems like, hey, I see this strength that I can play as fast, almost like a tempo zard. Like, I honestly, when you presented the deck, uh, I was like, oh, this is just Sunny Scorch with Rapid Strike, because that's the way I saw. It. Like, honestly, when I, I saw the the Stellar Wish Jirachis, a lot of scoop ups, the Garatinas, um, you know, that's what it felt like to me when I was looking at it. Uh, is is that? But that's not how it plays, though, which is the interesting thing. Uh, there's not a question in that. That was more of a personal rant. Uh, yeah. But the, the next question, though, is this. So, OK, so you beat that. And now you get into the uh, the the, the roms here. So this is this is something again. This is I, I, <laughs> I love hearing this. I love hearing this. I've heard it uh, not from you yet, but from other players like four times. How did this go, though? How I, I want to hear your take on this. Um, so yeah, I beat Tord and then I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm up, I'm up against Pikaram. Like I mentioned, I had, I didn't play the matchup. So I was like, it should be good, but like, how good, right? Mm -hmm. Like, can I get unlucky like two games and then maybe they win a close one and then that's it. Maybe I win, I lose like two, three, cause it was best of five. Right. Going to the loser bracket finals. And I played him in the first game and I was like, oh, was, like, after the first game, I was like, I'm going to win the tournament. I just knew <laughs> like it was, it was so much easier than I thought it was. Um, and I even missed like, <laughs> 
I literally had game for a turn and just didn't do it. So oh, I was like, geez. I was like zoned in on wanting to win with strafe. I was like, okay, I'm gonna scoop up my goon after I research and I whiffed the net and I had switch energy to a new Urchifu V Max. Like I'd send up my V to uh, keep the strafe play open. Um, and I was like, well, I guess I can't win this turn because I whiffed the scoop up net, but I literally had switch energy in hand. So I attached my active instead of to the, the V Max and I went, okay, strafe. Um, and then I was like, I'll just win next turn with scoop up net with my goon. Uh, and then the next turn, I didn't even see it immediately either. I like Benchard Jirachi is looking at my hand. I was like, oh, wait, I literally have game. I just need to attack <laughs> with my V Max. I forgot it was on the board. Um, but yeah, because of how much, like, just after that game, I realized, like, if I don't, if I don't prize anything, there's like no way I can, if I don't prize Jirachi or Mimikyu, there's no way I lose. If I prize one of them, there's like a possibility that they can squeak out a win, but they would still need to, like, I would still have, like, I also played, we also played the Mew. Like, that was like one of our, I think, a final inclusions for, for me and Fouché. We like cut the Mew to put another Marnie in because we're like, if we're not playing Cheryl, we're not playing uh, Phoebe. It makes right. no sense for us to play the Mewtwo. And we're like, well, if, if we think this deck is good, other people will too. Uh, and there's other stuff that kind of snipes, like Cramorant and stuff. They're like, okay, let's play a Mew. So we throw the Mew in there. And I was like, and now when I got into the Picaron matchup, I was like, even if they somehow start pulling stuff off, they have to tag ball. I don't see how they draw six prize cards without tag ball. And I was like, I just have this Mew. Um, and actually in one of the games, I like, I think this is in the winners or the grand finals, actually. I just like, I had a, a Urshifu in my active. I think I whiffed the switch. Like I couldn't win my turn. And I was like, um, but they, but they had two Mewtwo's with a bunch of damage on them each. And I was like, well, I went with rapid, well, I went with rapid flow next turn. I was like, but if I bench this Jirachi right now to make sure they don't want to kill my active, they could stamp me. And then I could, I ben I'm bench locked. So I can't dead change. I can't Crobat. And I was like, well, I could bench Mew. So then they couldn't attack ball to win anyways, but I said they could still do like a similar player and make it awkward for me. So I was like, I'm just not going to bench anything. And I just didn't bench anything. Uh, I could have benched Jirachi. I could have benched the Mew. I, I'm not going to bench anything. And then they go like, knock out my active. I'm like, okay, they have activated my karate belt. So I went rapid flow energy, um, two bench bases to work with then. Um, they went, yeah, they had tag ball one hit kill on my Urshifu. I don't know if they didn't see the karate belt play or they thought that was just like the best to just draw the prize cards and see what happens. Right. Yeah, they took that thing. Out. I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, well, that's what I wanted. I was like, if they do that, then I can just dig through my whole deck, get rapid strike energy, goon net, and then draw six prize cards in one turn. Wow. Um, so I was like, all right, if they want to go for that, then I'll just leave this bench base open. Uh, and then I have all the options possible. So like, in that situation, I just didn't bench anything because I was like, I just want this open just in case of some shenanigans. Um, and it worked out. But yeah, I was basically at that after the, because I like, I'd never played the matchup before, just kind of all theory. I played a lot of Picaram and I played some Rapid Strike. I didn't play too much with the deck in general before the tournament, but um, I knew its matchups um, and I knew how the deck flowed. So that was, there was, at some point you don't need, at some point once you've played enough Pokemon or as much as I have, you don't need to test as much uh, as as everyone else does, <laughs> I don't no, test yeah. <laughs> um, as much as probably a lot of people think I do. I do play a lot of Pokemon on PTC Joe stuff, but when it comes down to like you know try hard grinding out matchups and stuff, that doesn't really uh, come up too much for me. Even when going to like bigger bigger tournaments. Well, I mean, again, it, like you said, you you've played a lot. You've been playing this game for a while now. Uh, there's definitely this inherent experience that I think I feel like, and especially since with players come. Uh, for it, what it's going to bring to the community uh, and a lot of people over 2020 joining into the game because they're like, oh, I can just play this on my tablet and stuff. Uh, and then they dive in further if they get sucked in pretty good like it did with me. Uh, I, it, like, There's an inherent experience that those players don't have uh, that a lot of people like, you, yes, you can mentally prepare, like you said, but like the difference between someone like me doing that versus you is you 
know it. <laughs> you have a better idea. And that that is the edge that a lot of people are missing uh, that from not getting as much time in with the game, uh, which is, you know, again, it's it's this is, you know, you end up winning Players Cup three, which is an amazing feat. Uh, definitely an incredible meta call by you in terms of especially what you ended up facing in the end. And, you know, look, sounds like even though you, you talked about some early misplays, it, it, you never got tilted. You never you stayed in it. You, you stuck around. And again, even with the lack of experience of a certain style of playing, you were you were you were still prepped, uh, which it, it comes from a lot of different directions, that preparation. So uh, don't sell yourself. Uh, what I'm saying is don't sell yourself short on your preparation. It's there. It's just in a different way. Uh, yeah. And I think that's what a lot of listeners and a lot of players who are interested in how to get to this point uh, can't, um, you know, can't forget. Uh, but what I, one of the last topics here uh, on this deck and this the, the run that you had here for Players Cup 3, um, in your video, you started talking about why you didn't really like this now. Uh, you, you dropped some hints because at the time, uh, Mew 3 wasn't seeing the stealthy hood play at all. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, what were the other things that you find that's not worthwhile? Like, are you playing this even in Players Cup 4 at this time, or have you strayed away from Rapid Strike or Shifu? Um, I mean, I haven't played any of my Players Cup 4 qualifiers yet, so I haven't played anything yet. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's still such a powerful deck. The meta is a little bit against it right now, but I think it'll kind of come around because, like, Luke Metal um, and the Mewtwo decks are super popular, but like, Picaram hasn't been around as much and Eternatus hasn't been around as much to deal with like the Mewtwo decks. Um, and as far as the, I mean, Eternatus is like not the best against Luke Metal, um, but with the Phoebe now, it can beat it. It's probably close to like 50-50, if not maybe slightly Luke Metal favored, but like Eternatus and Picaram just like not being around has allowed a bunch of other decks to kind of become good answers to the Rapid Strike deck. But the Rapid Strike deck is so good overall um that it's kind of like a waiting game to be like okay the Mewtwo decks and this Luke Metals are not doing as well anymore okay I can come back and play the game now um <clears throat> so it's kind of a waiting game with that because the deck is still so powerful overall against so many matchups and yeah like I've been playing around with it a little bit more recently I was like yeah it's still it's still that good it's just like you know um there's just some some tough matchups that are pretty popular right now but I don't think it's gonna like keep it right keep it that way forever and of course the new set will come out which might Shake, shake, shake up things a lot um yeah. and actually with like the calyrex and all that of course who knows like urshifu might not be around until rotation which is fine like it's fine for a deck to kind of shift completely out of the meta mm -hmm. um and may hopefully make its way back we always want as many decks as possible to be um you don't need a ridiculous amount of decks to be viable but you want to see a lot of decks like going in and out of the meta that always feels like it's the worst where it's best where a meta is best when like a deck can come in to be like a counter to a deck for a little while and then leaves um, or a new set drops and the meta drastically changes, which I feel like it definitely did with uh, the recent release of Battle Styles, especially with Eternatus and Picaron becoming so much worse. And Luke Metal wasn't great off the start because Welder decks were so popular, but now it's like everyone's like, well, Victini's actually not that good. And no one really plays, not, not, not enough people really ever play Temple's Art that much, even though I still think Temple's Art is a great deck. I don't think it really mm -hmm. lost anything. It's even, almost even a better play now because of just the amount of Luke Metal there is. Right. Uh, and the Mewtwo decks are generally pretty good for it as well. So. Um, yeah, now, when you talk Tempest Art, is that with Blacephalon or are you under the theory of Victini V Max instead of the Blacephalon in there? No, no, yeah, just the Blacephalon, Cramorant, Rushy's Art. Nice, okay. Um, yeah, all right, well, uh, that's pretty much the run again. Uh, you had incredible 
it's just it's an awesome story. It, it really is. I think this is an amazing um, you know feat from for a player. Thousands and thousands of people are playing this, and you came out on top for Players Cup three this time. Uh, so I want to again congratulate you on this amazing run, uh, and you know really appreciate you coming on here to share this story because I, I know a lot of players are like in this mindset and, you know do you have any advice um before i let you plug and shout out and everything here but do you have any advice for players in players cup four right now like the mentality that they kind of have uh or you know again there's not a lot of people at your level of play right now in my mind again there's a whole group of you there but there's still a lot of new players trying to get in what can they be doing to start thinking like you do that the mindset that you have um i mean if you're for like players cup four specifically i mean it's just kind of i mean the things i always say is like the one of the biggest things is just to, to start by playing the game i think a lot of people just don't play the game enough um but then expect more out of their current situation, even though they don't play the game enough. And, you know, sometimes they don't have time and stuff, but so, a lot of times people could be putting more into the game. They don't, but they expect more out of it. So making sure you play the game enough is like one of the first things um, to always come up with uh, as far as something you can do better. Um, blaming luck and uh, RNG is always like a poor thing to do initially, especially because like, um, you know, you're not the best player in the world. So like, that's one of the biggest things that he's like, you made a mistake in the last game. So work on that. Look at that first. That's like a big thing. Um, <clears throat> nothing like too much on that as far as like players cup four qualifiers specifically, but like those are like big things to improve as players, I think, uh, in general are, are two of the biggest ones. It's just like, um, not truly understanding like how RNG functions in the game and how it's actually, if, if it is actually, or how it actually is affecting your games. And then just make sure you're playing the game enough. Cause if you're not even doing that to begin with, like little, like simple baseline things, checking your prize cards, simply knowing what the top decks are and like, you should be able to answer the question. If I asked, if you just got asked, what does, what do, what do 60, what does a 60 card Luke metal deck look like right now? You should be able to think about it and like have an idea of what 60 cards would be in a Luke metal. Cause if you can't even do that, when you go into one of these qualifiers and you play up against uh, an ADP deck, you're just like, uh, they play ADP and Zation. But besides that, I don't really know. Like you want to be able to already know what roughly, you know, 57 of those cards are right. Right. Um, or have an idea. So you know what you're up against, you know what you're playing around. Um, so those are all like baseline things as far as just being competitive in the game goes like, um, you know, knowing your own 60, knowing the ins and out of that, but then also just knowing if you go up against a certain archetype, what it's going to look like, what it roughly should look like, what those 60 cards are about, about what those 60 cards should look like, you know, 57, 55, whatever. Um, and then just playing the game enough. Cause if you're not just playing the game, if you're not playing the game, but you're like, I played Dragapult, you know, a couple months ago, I'm going to play Dragapult and then getting frustrated at the game. Cause you're not qualifying or you're not getting the, the placements you want in the qualifiers. Well, you don't, you're not playing the game. So like, there's nothing, you, you, there's nothing else to really expect out of it. Right. Checking your prize cards, like simple baseline stuff like that. It's like stuff that people just don't do, um, but they do other stuff and expect more checking your prize cards, knowing what the meta is, knowing what the general 58, 55 cards are in your opponent's lists. Um, Little things like that can like really level up people's play. And it's like stuff that uh, I guess doesn't get mentioned too much, but definitely something that uh, people should take more advantage of because it's so easy to acquire that information. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing advice. Again, I think a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people uh, want to assume that 
top tier play is going to come out of with little minimal input uh, and that not, not really fully understanding what's in those decks out there. You know, I, I, I feel like that might actually partially be a part of an issue from content creators in terms of uh, like on our, my end, your end and everyone's end, uh, just kind of like, hey, we just kind of say a deck profile and just kind of assume at times because like, oh, it's obviously this. Uh, and that's easy <laughs> for us because like yeah. we, we're playing the game a ton. We we see it. We we see this over and over again. Uh, and like you said, like ADP, it's 57 of those those cards. It's either Asia Slash is in there or, you know, some, uh, some other tech might be in there instead uh, versus the other variations. But three card difference isn't isn't what we're really looking for unless we're playing what we're weak to with that um so yeah the amazing advice uh before you go here you know we always let uh, our guests come on do you have any shout outs plugs that you want to uh, let our listeners know about yeah i mean just check me out on uh youtube and twitch basically the, the main two places to check me out for uh, my content if you want to follow me on twitter as well that's great uh Zool gg for YouTube and Twitch, and then Azul underscore GG on the Twitter. Um, but yeah, just check me out there if you want to check out my content or uh, my opinions on uh, the game in general. And uh, for all the listeners, again, we'll have all those links down below. So check them out in the show notes. Uh, and I think that's going to do it for us here today. So end of the bonus episode. Thank you again, Azul, for joining us. And we really appreciate it. See you guys next time. Thank you again for joining us on this special bonus episode of the Triple P Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we also provide content on YouTube and stream every Friday on Twitch.